0: David from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. The
1: captain, the MVP. Here's what's coming up in the CFL this week, the Labor Day weekend. Friday is the Red Blacks at the Alouettes. Sunday, the traditional game, Winnipeg at Saskatchewan. Monday, Toronto at Hamilton, and then right here on 630 Chet, countdown to kickoff at one game at 2.30. Elks at Stampeders thanks to that victory last year the Elks lead the all-time Labor Day series 30 wins 29 losses and one tie the Stampeders had the chance to take the overall lead in the series for the first time since 1949 when they won the very first Labor Day game 26 was the final then Edmonton reeled off seven consecutive wins. Calgary did win a few in a row, but uh, Edmonton had a much larger lead in the series until the Stamps won eight in a row from 2012 to 2019. But uh, Edmonton a somewhat, uh, well, not somewhat, it was an upset last year. At the time, maybe not as big an upset as it looked at the end of the year when you saw the Elks only had three victories, but Edmonton won it last year. Thirty-two twenty. so that's what's uh, coming up this weekend we mentioned some of the oilers players starting the informal skates uh at rogers place downtown community arena you'll hear some comments from dylan holloway as we move along tonight on inside sports the producer of the program he lined up chris jones off the top tonight and of course he's our elks color analyst on our broadcast along with morley scott it is dave campbell checking in
2: Well, hello dave Oh, hello. And I think what you're saying is that the Elks carry some momentum from last year's Labor Day win into 2022. I believe that's what you're saying.
1: Try to keep it positive. Absolutely. Why not? I don't um, know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I feel like it's going to be interesting watching Calgary with, uh, with Bo Levi Mitchell uh, demoted, maybe permanently this time, and mm-hmm. uh, Jeffrey Mayer. But Mair, uh, Mair, didn't Mare play quarterback in the Labor Day game in, what, 18 or 19? Uh, He played
2: last year, actually, so that was his third. He the quarterback
1: last year. Okay.
2: Yeah, last year was his rookie year. If you remember, he uh, he started uh, against the Alouettes. He started against the Bombers, and then he started against the Elks. And he passed for 300 yards in each game, becoming the first CFL rookie quarterback to pass for 300 yards in three straight games. And he was six yards away from becoming the fourth quarterback in cf or the first quarterback to do it four straight times uh last week against the bombers but he was six yards short so he's he's good i, I think he's the future of the sam peters at least it looks that way for now let's just say this I mitchell is not getting the start until there's a very good reason to do so so it's jake Mayers' team right now
1: okay uh man i can't i can't that does not feel like last year <laughs> <laughs> I guess
2: my sense of time is all
1: discombobulated. So anyway, uh, we'll, we'll talk Labor Day stuff here in a, in a few minutes. First of all, the the trade today, and, and you heard what a fan texted in before we went to the break. Like, I didn't realize you could tank in the CFL. I mean, Lyon and Costigan have been pretty good for the Elks. I, I know Avery Ellis might be a pretty good player, Well, is a pretty good player in his own right. Um, But, I I mean, I could argue that Costigan and Lyon are two of the Elks' top six or seven players this year, and Mm -hmm. they've both been traded. What did you make of this deal and what Chris said about it off the top of the show?
2: Well, first of all, when you see two starters being traded for a draft pick and one starter, um, you're going to probably lose the trade. That's what I felt like. The Elks today have lost this trade. Now, when you consider the Elks are three and eight, they've lost four in the last five. They are well out of the playoffs picture. I mean, let's, let's just make it clear. The Elks are six points back of the Riders for the crossover spot in the East, but they've lost a the season series, so it's eight. So that's right. a lot of ground to make up. Um, so with seven games left, they basically have to run the table and there's no guarantees. And now the likelihood of that happening is, is not good you know, going into this season it was gonna to be tough anyway just because of the massive amount of change uh, that Chris Jones implemented with the roster and now he's traded two more players from last year. who so were pretty good. I mean you got Thomas Costigan who wasn't an every week starter but got six sacks and that led the team or tied for the team lead. If East Lion played the last five games, he had two interceptions. He had two in consecu- or one in consecutive week or two in consecutive weeks, I mean so that's pretty good. Where this year, you know, I don't think both of those players stood out like they did last year. Um, but that's not to say they had bad years. I mean, if he's lying, has one interception, one sack. He's been hurt a bit. He's got four knockdowns. That leads the team. Costigan has three sacks. That's uh, behind the leader, Jake Ceresna, who has been a, a house of fire in the last three games ever since he's come back off the sixth game. But, you know, when I looked at the deal and it said draft pick, and the rumor was draft pick, I said, what is that pick? I said, because that's a key pick. And then it turned out to be a third rounder in 2023, and I said, there you go. And, and then Chris Jones just filled the gap. Jamin Kelly was a supplemental pick, and they had to surrender the second rounder, as Jones explained. So that gives them three-thirds or two-thirds. And then what is a deep draft in 2023? 2022 wasn't considered deep, although there was always you know there was always going to be high-end players in the first round and maybe in the second, but it kind of petered out. But this draft is labeled as a very very good and deep draft so i think it's to get some more draft capital in his arsenal uh, going forward and avery ellis is no slouch you know i mean he's not a superstar dn but he's a serviceable dn with 22 sacks in his career so he's going to probably come in and start right away you know chris jones is someone that has a certain type of player he likes you know on defense he wants athletic guys long guys you know and on the defensive end i mean he turned a fullback slash tight end in A.C. Leonard, who has three career touchdowns, into um, a defensive end and one of the better ones in the CFL. So he likes those type of players. Whether he sees that in Avery Ellis, I assume so. That's why he traded for him. Uh, Nafis Lyon is 5'9". Nafis Lyon is a good player. But if you don't stand out, I think for Chris Jones t- type managed team, then you're kind of under his you know, his line of, or in his line of fire. You know, he likes long athletic players on the on the defensive backfield. Here's the thing though, Reed. We may not see it right away, but at some point there has to be a player that is better than a feast lion and a player better than Thomas Costigan, or this trade is gonna look really, really bad. Whether it's a Canadian or an American or even a global, I don't care. That player has to be better. And we may not know that, you know, until next year, maybe the year after, maybe we do, they, he does find someone that is that is pretty good this year. And the other thing, you know, when I say he likes long athletic players, a lot of people are saying, why is Deron Carter here? <laughs> you know, and I would be like, okay, well, because Chris Jones really likes his, how tall he is and how athletic he is. But at the same time, you can question whether he's a, a serviceable defensive back. So uh, I think the third rounder was the key for sure. And uh, you know, Chris Jones wants to put a stamp on this team, and there's two players that he didn't pick as well, and he's going to send send away, even though he did like what he saw out of both players for the most part.
1: Okay, I asked him a little bit more, Cornelius losing some of the, the closer games. Uh, by the way, he said that he confirmed that Kenny Lawler does have an ankle injury. He just said we'll see how he progresses. He didn't confirm the report of missing a couple games that Farhan Lalji said. And Trey Ford, quarterback, he said is still a little bit away and that he's not comfortable activating Ford and putting him in a game until he's uh, fully 100% because it seems that Jones thinks, you know, that Ford certainly has a future here with the team. Anything else from that interview with Jones that really caught your ear?
2: Yeah, you know, I thought it interesting what he said about uh, Taylor Cornelius. and He has done some pretty wow kind of things, right? I mean, he's been able to get the ball down, field the times when he needs to, and that's going kind to of progress, but he's been able to make plays with his arm, with his feet. I do think the decision-making needs to be better. I do think when Chris Jones said, schematically, we need to put something around Taylor Cornelius that fits him better, I honestly felt this was the worst game called by Stephen McAdoo as the offensive coordinator for this season for the Oaks. I thought he kind of got lost. Into what the Red Blacks were doing after a while, I mean they they were giving up four or five chunk plays. But after a while, Mike Benavides, the defensive coordinator, said, "We're not giving that to you anymore. We're going to take that away, and we're going to give you um, anything. you know we're going to dare you to throw it intermediate." But <laughs> Stephen McAdoo didn't call much intermediate stuff, right? That's why I mean when you look at the look at the the uh, the uh, stats after the game, and Ante Milanovic Litre, who I liked, but. Shouldn't be getting 10 targets a game and leaving the team. So I thought that was interesting that uh, he said schematically we need to put an offense that is more comfortable for Taylor Cornelius. So we'll see if we see that on Monday. Trey Ford, I, I, I agree with. I mean, you don't need to rush this player back in his first season. You know, we saw some flashes of brilliance from him. And that game in Hamilton was, was pretty impressive. The game against Calgary only saw him for what, two, three offensive series, but that one play where he hit Kyle Loxley after surviving a sack and just making a tremendous play with his feet and then with his arm was was highlight real stuff. That might be the best play they've had all year, except you know, maybe a couple Kenny Lawler catches would, would beat that play, but they don't need to rush him back. So I'll tell you what, there's one rock that hasn't been unturned yet, and that is Kyle Oxley. I wonder what he can do at quarterback. I would kind of like to see that uh, going forward, but if Kenny Lawler is out for any amount of time, I don't think he can do that.
1: Yeah, a good point, and Arsenal's injured as well, so we're starting to run out of uh, the high-end receivers. Uh, i got to correct myself, and I've done this before. And my my buddy uh, Jay on his show has that you blew it thing. I blew it. The, the Calgary quarterback do? is Jake Mayer. Jeffrey Mayer is the, well, he's not a kid anymore. He was the kid that interfered with the Derek Jeter ball against the Orioles in the ALCS, and it got called a home run. I, I've I've done that in the past, and I feel shame. Jake Mayer is the quarterback. Yeah. Jeffrey Mayer is the uh, kid from Yankee Stadium. I think he's probably in his, just Google them. He's like in his late 30s now. Anyway, uh, just, <laughs> just so people aren't thinking, like, is, who's is he talking about? Jake Mayer is the go. quarterback. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, the, and here's the thing the Lions went out and got Vernon Adams. And I, and I know, you know, we've been asked by fans along the way, how come the Elks never go, went out and got uh, Vernon Adams? But BC, I guess this is a sign you know they, they think they got a good team but they lost Rourke. maybe they don't think O'Connor is going to be quite good enough so they go out and get Adams
2: yeah and you know the Lions and the Oaks are in two different uh two different places right now for the Lions they're eight and two they want to make sure that they can ensure a home playoff game uh there's a you know for them there's still a chance for first but you know second is probably more uh more realistic at this point they're just trying to salvage what is a good season for them right now and they were willing to give up the first round pick for the alouettes which was the demand from their general manager danny machocha look the elks had interest in adams they had interest in him way back in i would say late june early early july but the asking price was a first round draft pick, and chris jones and G R. simon looked at it and said no for us in our situation that doesn't make a lot of sense so you know they they didn't they don't want to mortgage the future for now which is gonna bug a lot of people, but you know they're, they're just trying to build something here uh, and do it, I don't wanna say slowly, but do it methodically, let's just say that. Um, but they definitely had interest in Adams, but they, they just couldn't afford the first round pick, according to you know the, their thought about the the, the, the you know the, just the grand scheme of things here, which you know kind of makes sense. I mean, the Lions need to salvage the season and, and make sure it doesn't completely fall apart. So that's why Vernon Adams makes sense, and for Vernon Adams, it makes a lot of sense because he's from Tacoma, Washington. So you know he's very close to home now. But uh, you know a good move made by the Lions today. Okay.
1: Dave Campbell joining us tonight on Inside Sports. So you're heading down to Calgary for the Labor Day game. You started uh, on the broadcast crew in your current role. What what year was it? 09? Oh,
2: yeah, it was. Oh, no, it was so 2004 and 05. So 0405 was my first year on the broadcast, but I was sidelines. My first year traveling and as the color analyst was 06.
1: Okay, so you have seen the Elks win three times on Labor Day. Yeah, not a lottery,
2: <laughs> but we'll always have 08, 11, of, and 21. Out of 15
1: <laughs> games, including 52-5, yep, a loss in 2010. Now, in, the, in 2011, the the uh, they came back and won 35-7. Was that the game yep. Henry Burris got mad possibly at the fans? Yep,
2: yep, that was. Uh, so in that game, the Stampeders were out to a seven-nothing lead, and then the Elks scored the next 35 points, one. So at some point, I believe late in the first half, uh, Henry Burris was frustrated and heard the boos and looked up at the crowd and punched the air, basically to mimic punching the crowd. He says to this day, "That's not what I meant to do. That's not what I was doing. I was just frustrated and punching the air." I don't think so. <laughs> so. And if you remember, you remember there was a trick play on a, on a punt return where Jason Armstead caught the ball and that Darius Bowman was the onside returner. So, or or sorry, he was in behind Armstead, so Armstead could throw it across the field. It was a lateral. No one picked that up from the stampede side. And Bowman, who had two touchdowns in the game, this was his first, he like romped in for like a 60-yard touchdown. And that's one of the greatest plays in uh, in Evanston football history on, on Labor Day. But, uh, yeah, I remember that 52-5 game in the famous line from Morley Scott. That was the first year we did games together. And Morley said, "Touchdown, Dan Peters, and that horse is tired.
1: <laughs> and, and there was another game that season that was like 55-11 or something like that.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. That was not good. That was three weeks apart, too. That was you know, so was was, sad. At least the beatings in B.C. were about two months apart, so we had a little more healing time in between. But that that year, nope, you got your butt kicked, and then you're going to go back and get your butt kicked again in short order.
1: Yeah, not good. All right. Well, Dave, thanks for coming on. Uh, interesting time of year, interesting move today by the Edmonton Elks. Thanks for uh, giving your perspective. Of course, uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow morning, and everybody's going to hear from you during the broadcast on Monday, man. Really appreciate it. Look forward
2: to it. Thanks, Reed.
1: Appreciate it. All right. That is Dave Campbell checking in tonight as uh, the Elks make the trade Costigan and Lyon to the Montreal Alouettes for defensive lineman Avery Ellis and a third-round pick in 2023. we got a great uh, Battle of Alberta story coming up next.
0: This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 630 Chan Inside Sports.
1: All right, sign up for that podcast. We'll get you canned ham delivered right to your door. The special Inside Sports Canned Ham. They're delicious. That's our slogan. The canned ham. They're delicious all right just trust trust that's that'll be the slogan trust us they're delicious because if someone when describing a food that they're offering you has to say trust me or trust us can it really be that delicious that would make me suspicious but that's going to be our slogan suspicious and and Can't ham. trust us yeah there we go tr- su- trust us so, and suspicious. And or, or what we got? so suspicious it's delicious maybe that should be our slogan yeah
0: <laughs> instead of spy versus spy we could have ham versus ham i love it
1: we, we could have ham versus ham that is uh very good Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. if you would like to participate in the uh program tonight uh, kellen will catch us up on some of uh, the written messages a little bit later on we got brock ralph coming up uh, we gotta play uh, this great cut from last night's show oh yeah. so it wasn't a labor day game but it was edmonton at calgary in the cfl jed roberts after a kick return through the shoe of a member of the Calgary Stampeders. Well,
0: that was 1997 and it was the season opener. It was June 28th, I think it was. And um, I ran down on kickoff and tackled uh, Calgary's great kick returner, Marvin Coleman. And uh, during the process of tackling him, his shoe came off. And his shoe would come off like the, the play before, like the, the kickoff before Mark Faraway tackled him. And I was like, man, I hope I get him. Because if I get his shoe, I'm firing it out the back of the end zone. So exactly what happened, I went down there and I tackled him, stood up, and I just threw the shoe as far as I could. And uh, <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't very happy with me. He was like, oh, dog, why you got to do me like that? <laughs> I said, Keep your shoes on. Get a stat. Do something man but man i'm not here to play football i'm not here to make friends and he laughed right so <laughs> so a, a premeditated
1: shoe toss it turned out perfectly for you so yeah. but there was no like i I feel like that's something that could have started an altercation, but it didn't
0: it never got that tense. He just went and ran the shoe down, yeah and he just went and got it and put it back on and it was so fast, it was so quick like nobody really actually saw it. I think it was only him and I on the field that that were really aware of it and then um the I think it was Matt again or somebody on the broadcast. i think Matt was still playing then it was ninety seven now it was ninety seven so he was still playing or he had just retired. Uh, somebody on the broadcast had noticed it. He laughed, and he's like, oh, Jed just fired the returner's shoe up back at the end zone. And I didn't actually make it to the end zone. It was about the 10-yard line I threw it down, but I threw it pretty far. Um, but yeah, years later, like Marvin and I went back and forth on Facebook about it, and he goes, man, you know what? I would have done the same thing. <laughs> he goes, I hated you too. <laughs>
1: That was Jed Roberts on the show last night. And speaking of those Inside Sports podcasts, you can hear that entire interview if you have the podcast or you can go to the show page on 630chad.com. A lot of great stuff there if you missed anything on the show. we got a great guest coming up, Brock Ralph, who's currently the offensive coordinator at Harry Ainley. They're kicking off the high school season on Friday with a uh, huge, huge game. And, of course, he played in some Labor Day classics as well. That's coming up next on Inside Sports.